Well, once again, race fans, and I'd like to welcome you on to PSC Weekly, the official podcast of the Patriot Sprint Tour. My name is Paul Harkiner, the voice of the Patriot Sprint Tour, and thanks once again for tuning into this week's episode. This is episode six of PSC Weekly, and I'd really like to thank all the listeners so far. We've uh, received a lot of good feedback from you uh, listeners and drivers. Um, it's my goal to continue to bring you solid content that you want to hear. Um, just, of course, want to remind you that this podcast is available on uh, Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. With that said, if there is a special guest that you guys want to have on or hear more about, um, please feel free to reach out to me. Um, I'm always open to new ideas. This show will not just focus on interviews. If there's a certain topic that you guys all want covered, um, you know, certain trends that are going on in our sport, sport car racing here in the Northeast, uh, please feel free to reach out to me. Um, of course, uh, this week's guests are two guys that have had a lot of success on the Patriot Sprint Tour. Um, that is five-time PST Series champion Jerry Sambari and his uh, longtime crew chief, uh, Tony DeFonzo. In this interview, we take a much deeper dive through uh, both of their careers in racing and how they got to where they are now. So without further ado, let's get right to our interview with Jared Zavardi and Tony DeFonzo. All right, we now welcome on uh, two uh, special guests on this week's podcast of PST Weekly. Uh, five-time series champion, Jared Zambardi, as well as uh, his uh, crew chief, uh, Tony DeFonzo. And uh, gentlemen, uh, thanks for joining me on uh, during this uh, Christmas break, though, but... Uh, Jared, we'll kind of start with you. Uh, kind of an uh, interesting 2020-20 season. Uh, you didn't get a lot of 360 sprint car racing in. Uh, you know, you obviously were able to take the 410 out more, though. But how do you kind of assess 2020, though, as a whole? Well, you said it, Paul. I think we did uh, maybe six or seven races. Uh, three, three with the 360, and I think four in the 410. So, um not not much, uh, not not many places to go. We only got to go to Canandaigua with the 360, uh, and we haven't had the greatest success there, uh, especially this year. Um, and uh, Pen Can, still not quite uh, one of those tracks that we don't typically do well. We haven't been there since I think it was 2007 or mm -hmm. 2009. I can't even remember, but. Uh, yeah, just it wasn't a lot of racing. Just it, it really stemmed, it really was not good. Um, we could have went a lot more places uh, with the 410, but you know we actually sold one of our motors last year, and it, it kind of started to get away from it a little bit. And uh, I guess bad timing for selling a 410 motor because you could have raced all over in, in PA. Uh, but that's that's the way it goes, I guess. Yeah, and, uh, and and Tony, though, uh, you know, kind of an interesting thing where we mentioned before, though, is typically we're, you know, thrashing to get all your cars ready and whatnot, and you kind of mentioned, though, earlier, though, that you kind of were ready to go, you know, in April, and, you know, so to not then really get on the racetrack until about mid-June, though, uh, it and you kind of threw a curveball where you were planning on doing more 360 racing, and you ended up obviously racing more 410, though, had to kind of change though how you approach the racetrack as well yeah like you said for for the first time in a few years we actually got a couple new cars from eagle and got those early enough where jared and i got them put together and ready to go you know before our start in mid to, mid to early or mid to late april where we typically start racing and you know when COVID hit we just kind of sat around and waited for a while and didn't know what was going on with the 360 and a few places practice. So we went there just to shake down 
the new cars and then decided to put the 410 in and go find some races down in Western PA. Yeah, and Jerry, we could even go back as far as 2019 with you uh, picking up a win in late August at Outlaw, and then, you know, you kind of had a solid September running, and then you, had, you finished the year with a podium finish at Outlaw Dutch Hogue weekend. And so how much looking forward were you to 2020, knowing kind of the end of 2019 that you had? Uh, a lot, actually. Um, we had been running J&J cars for a long time, and we had switched to Eagle, uh, wanted to try something different. You're running a car for 10 years. You had a lot of success, but you want to try, uh, you see that with everybody, you know, you want to try something different. Maybe you get a little faster, maybe not, but if you don't try, you never know. So, uh, 2019, yeah, I think we got that win up at Brockville and it took us a little while to figure those cars out. Um, you know, a lot of people say, well, they're no different, but I don't know. These ones, we had a completely different bar package, um, and that's that's when the cars really came to life. I found what I liked, um, and we got fast at the end of 2019. Uh, like you said, at Outlaw, the, um, the Dutch boat there. I think at one point the fastest car on the track, uh, going up to that 5,000 to win, and I had all the, I had that confidence back. Uh, that I haven't had in a long time. And, you know, I think we still ended up second or third, uh, but, you know, right there. Uh, and that felt really good. So I felt really good for 2020. Um, we were going to do the same thing and uh, just didn't get an opportunity to go to some of these tracks that uh, I really enjoy. Um, you know, my, my driving style is um, I, I don't like the slick. I like to be able to drive a car hard. Um, but I don't like it locked down fast. I mean, you want to be able to do slide jobs and you want to be able to get, you know, the ransom bills, outlaw, um, uh, what other tracks don't even, that we are good at. My mind's drawing blank right now. <laughs> uh, probably like in Oshwegan and Brockville. You know, really. In Brockville, yeah. Just, uh, tracks that have a little bit of bite, but they slick off in the feature and, you know, there's still some bite on the bottom. You got to search around for that bite, and that's something I think I'm pretty good at. Uh, and and as well as Tony reading the track and getting the car right, where and that you know, that's what makes the difference at that point. Yeah, and you know, kind of before we get really into the meat of this interview, though, I kind of wanted to, you know, give the fans the opportunity though to kind of hear about your guys's racing background. You know, and we'll start with you, Tony. Uh, you know, growing up in Western, Northwestern PA, you know, it's not typically 360 sprint car country. Um, you know, we've talked about a lot of times, though, where it's kind of late model country. And that's kind of where you started, though. But kind of talk us, take us through, though, where, how you got into racing and kind of take us to where you are today. Yeah, I grew up around it, uh, racing uh, the BRP super stock cars and then getting into the crate lates and the E-mods um, with my uncle and then cousin. So I started hanging around the shop, you know, as a five-year-old kid, just wanting to hang out with all the guys. And You know, who? what five-year-old kid doesn't love race cars and engines and loud noises? So um, just growing up around it, you know, starting out with mountain and grooving tires to, you know, changing gears, doing whatever it is, and then learning how to build bodies and do maintenance, um, you know, some setup stuff with my cousin and then, you know, getting older and traveling and 
you know, then I started helping Jared out and, you know, that led me to the sprint car stuff where I didn't have to straighten body panels every week and, you know, do all the fun stuff there. It was more, a little more easy to, to work on sprint cars than it was a late model or an E-mod or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, same with you, Jared, uh, didn't really grow up in sprint car country though. Grew up there, right there in, uh, McKean County and, uh, kind of take us through, you know, kind of your background though, of how you got started in racing. Uh, my dad took me to, uh, I think it was state line. Um, you know, back in its heyday, there was a lot of cars. Um, and we, I used to go and had some friends. I think it was maybe eight or nine years old and, uh, just enjoyed the, you know, the Saturday night going to state line. And then, um, and then I remember dad and, you know, hearing talk about, you know, these sprint cars and, you know, they're really something to see. And there's some, uh, back then they seemed like, uh, well, even, even today, I should say, uh, some big names. Um, and, you know, we would go and Mike Waterborn, uh, Mike Woodring, Tom Tabor, uh, Bobby Podolik, you know, learned all these guys' names and, you know, got to watch them. And not only did we go to state line, we kind of followed, uh, you know, the Empire Super Sprints. And, um, you know, next thing you know, my, my dad bought a sprint car from Tom Tabor. He must have been a heck of a salesman. But, uh because I had not been in any other kind of racing. We didn't do go-karts, you know, we did some snowmobiling, but that was it. So, you know, I, I jumped right into a sprint car. Um, I think, uh, when I was 15 years old. Yeah. And, uh, what's interesting about, you know, your story, Jared, is that you see a lot of guys that get into sprint car racing and they kind of have, I guess you could say a, a mentor, um, in racing. And you kind of didn't really have that. You guys were kind of on your own and, it kind of took you guys a while to, I guess, figure things out. Yeah, Dad got into it. Um, he bought that car in 97. And um, I still remember I got pictures of it. He, uh, Tom actually won Little Valley. Uh, and, you know, my dad did the lighting there, uh, which, I don't know, I still say that's how he ended up buying the car. <laughs> you know, just meet, meeting Tom Tabor from somehow buying the car. And, um, yeah, just... Just uh, going. It's crazy how all that how that winds up like that. Sure. Uh, one thing though, the next question though, and we'll kind of start with you, Tony. Those um, I think why you guys have been so successful over the last you know ten to fifteen years. Those kind of how you guys approach a race night, and I uh, kind of really wanted to get your insight though. You know, first from like the crew chief point of view though. What are you seeing the first thing that you get at the racetrack, though, and kind of take us through, though, from hot laps to then the heat race, and then you might get thrown into a dash before before the eight main, and then you're rolling out for the eight main. And, you know, what's interesting enough, though, about where we race, though, especially in sprint car country, you know, obviously, is it a modified track? Is it a late model track, though? And kind of take us through, through some of those key differences, though, of what you kind of see, though, from the crew chief point of view. I think the biggest thing is, you know, it doesn't even start when you show up to the racetrack. It, it really starts after your last race where you go and do your wash and maintenance and all that throughout the week. Um, you know, for, for us and, you know, Jared and I really, 
Um, we pick a night a week, you know, we both have family, so we'll pick, you know, one night to try to go and do all the maintenance on the car. If there's a lot to do, we might have to pick a second night, but, uh, it's, it's talking about where we're going and looking at our notebook from the last time we were there, typically, you know, what we might expect. Um, we've got a good baseline that we take the, the most tracks. Um, there's a few exceptions like Woodhall and Canadagua and, some of those other places that we might struggle a little bit with that we kind of throw something different at it. Um, and then when you show up to the track, you know, like I said, just having that baseline in there and looking at the track, sometimes we might do, you know, a couple turns here or there, but mostly it's just go out and do hot laps with your normal baseline, which gives you a real good idea of, you know, where you actually are um, looking at lap times and, the challenging thing there is sometimes you can talk yourself out of doing the right things just by looking at lap times. So um, there's been times where you look at the lap times and, you know, we could be the quickest car and, you know, Jared just doesn't feel comfortable. So at that point, what do you do? Um, you can try to make him more comfortable or, you know, he might change his driving style. You know, there's a lot of different things you can do. Um to try to, to get better for later in the night. And then uh, heat race, you know, it's luck of the draw sometimes. Luckily, we have passing points um, starting in the back, which is typically where we end up. Uh, Jared isn't the greatest drawer, so we got to work on that for next year. Um, uh, you know, just seeing how that goes. Hopefully, the track's not locked down. You can do some passing. And the way the format is, it's pretty good. So, you know, either you end up in the dash, which isn't the worst thing because you can work on your car some more. So usually if we do end up in a dash, um, you know, we might throw something at it a little bit different than we typically would just to see how the car reacts or maybe better, maybe worse. Um, if we don't. Gallons of fuel in. Um, so with that, I mean, you're adding 80 pounds, hundred pounds of fuel into the back of the car. So just trying to set yourself up kind of for the middle of the end of the race. Um, and you know, everybody has the same advantages or disadvantages with the top wing where, you know, I always kind of laugh when, if I see a guy out there that looks really good early on, but his wings already in the trunk and it's like, yeah, he's, he's in <laughs> trouble. Um, or, or vice versa. You know, we, we sometimes fight and have fought the last couple of years with these new cars. We're just too tight, you know, especially you throw the fuel in it and we can't get into the turn. So, you know, Jared's either got to pitch the car and use the air on the sideboard to, to get the car to turn or, you know, if it's a nice sweeping track, you're kind of committed to run, maybe not the cushion, but just off the cushion to, to keep the car laying left. So, you know, there's, there's only been a few times that we've, we've had where he's came in and I think he wanted to throw the steering wheel at me because he's been too tight. So usually I'll uh, try to leave him a little free so he can use the wing if he needs to. Yeah. And, you know, Jared, you know, seems like Tony's got your car all figured out though. And, so it just kind of seems like it's pretty easy for you, though, to just go out there and drive it, right? <laughs> yeah, Paul, it's, I mean, <laughs> sometimes it has been so good, I tell him a monkey could drive it. And, <laughs> you know, that's that, that's when we're good. Um, 
but again, a lot of it has to do with the track conditions and you know where we're going. You know, some other tracks, Raceway Seven, State Line, places where you can move around. You know, it's it's tough to do any passing when everybody's catfishing the bottom and you don't have any speed. And uh, I think it takes the driver out of the equation a little bit. I'm, a lot of people might disagree with me a little bit and say, "Oh, you know, you got to feather the throttle." And well, we've we've all done that. I, I you know I can't feather it anymore. You know, so uh, actually I've gotten in a few discussions and debates with like Jason Barney about that because you know he is very good on on slick. Um, um, yeah, it's, uh, but when it's good, it's, it's quite, it, it's, it's really remarkable, uh, what you can do with them. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I get all the credit and, uh, when it is good. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, you know, Jared, though, we do prim- primarily go to these modified racetracks, you know, Woodhall, uh, Land of Legends, uh, you know, when we were in central New York, you know, with the Fultons and Fonda Speedways, uh, typically those racetracks are very, very slick. And those, it's amazing how much the racetrack conditions that night change when modifieds or even sportsmen are on that racetrack. You know, kind of take us through, though, the differences, though, of like racing on those slick central New York tracks to, you know, basically going down into western Pennsylvania, though, and how really in a matter of five hours how different those racetracks are yeah i mean a lot has to do with uh it's just the driving style i think uh when it's slick the the harder you try to drive the slower you go you spin the wheels you know you got to be very patient with the car and the car has to be right if you're loose coming off or too free getting in or Maybe you tighten up too much, and now you're snapping and getting in. You got to keep the car straight, and we've gotten better at that. We've had to, you know, we go to a lot of places um, that are like that, so we kind of have to adapt. Um, I think we kind of found what works for me, and sometimes I'll just, you know, I just get too excited. I, I want to go up to the top and and you know pound the wall. But you can't do that at 90% of the tracks we go to because there's nothing but marbles up there. So, you know, I think it takes away from the show a little bit. You know, when you go down to Port Royal and watch guys go in right up against the fence and you got, you know, um, Lance Deweese catfishing around the bottom, it's exciting and it's it's fun for – it's exciting for the drivers too. And I wish we had more of that in the, in the central New York um, – you know, I just think it's the culture that's kind of developed over the years, you know, which is funny back, uh, back in the old ESS days, the, the nineties, I say 90, 98, 99, 2000, they were, they were heavy tracks. You went to Fulton and you, you could get up against the wall and your guys were popping wheelies coming down the straightaways and it was just a lot different. So, you know, it's, you could analyze why, you know, why has it changed, uh, but it has. Um, so we just, we kind of have to adapt or we'll tend to avoid some of those places if possible. And when you do go down to Western PA, um, yeah, the tracks are, uh, you know, the clay's a little bit different. Lernerville, I mean, it's a great place. Uh, they do excellent track prep there. Um, and you can, you could really race, you know, you could go to the bottom, you can get on the top, you 
could do slide jobs. Uh, so I found it just more enjoyable for me to go down there. You know, it suits my driving style a little bit more. And so Tony, though, kind of Jared, Jared kind of talked about this though about driving style. Is there, I guess, a really unorthodox question though? Is there a crew chief style though? Is there a track though that you, as a crew chief though, that you like to see though that maybe Jared might not be seeing, but you see it and you know that you guys can be successful that night. I think a lot of it just falls back to, you know, our comfort level and, and really Jared's comfort level. For the longest time, I think we would dread going to Woodhall just because we were so terrible there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 2016, I think we ended up getting a win there. And, you know, winning kind of changes a lot and gives you a little bit of confidence. And, and really that, that does as much as anything going to a track and, you know, I think when you look back at our, our really successful seasons like 2014, 2015, 2016, you know, we had confidence and, and we felt like we could go pretty much anywhere and be competitive. And, you know, the results showed and, you know, we went to Woodhall and won, we went to Fonda and won, um, you know, and some of that setup, some of that's driver, some of that's me just feeling comfortable and making the right changes. Um, and, you know, then we kind of outthought ourselves and tried more stuff and got away from what we'd been doing and different shocks. And now we're on different chassis, but back to the original shocks we had and, you know, just trying to get back to where we were. And I feel like we're, we're really close now. Um, and again, I, I think Jared kind of mentioned it a little bit is, you know, we do some things that are a little bit different than everybody else, um, especially going to those modified tracks you know in central new york where you know you can get a guy like jason barney or chuck heaving that it looks like they're driving a modified you know they're really on the right rear and you know even sometimes picking the left front up and if we were to do that i'm pretty sure you know we we just call it dump trucking and you know just driving driving a dump truck and just driving right up off the bottom so you know what 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 works for those guys doesn't (laughs) You know, they drive right by it because they're, they're good at it, right? Uh, you know. yeah. So it, we just had to find what worked for us. And, you know, we stumbled across that at Woodhall a few years ago. And it seems to be, you know, we're getting closer. A lot of it is in the shocks. And, you know, we, uh, we ended up buying a shock dyno last year and spent a lot of time over the winter, you know, doing different things with our shocks and, and really, you know, testing those and checking them and, you know, seeing what the difference is and trying to be creative and, and how we look at data and, um, and, and look at how the car reacts and all that. And, you know, it's, it's shown a lot to us and it makes sense. And now we're hoping to, uh, to actually get some racing to apply what we learned and hopefully make us faster. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to talk to you tonight, Jared, was, you know, that first Patriot Sprint Tour win, which came back on June 17th of 2007. And it was at Erie Speedway and uh is there anything that kind of sticks out about that night though that you know about winning your first ever 360 sprint car race I think anybody that races will tell you there's nothing like the first one Dave mm-hmm. Archibald wrote a um a column there and it was open wheel back then and it's the title of it was uh the first one there's nothing like the first one mm-hmm. And uh, it's true. The more you win, the the less excitement there is 
you know, and I've felt that and noticed it over the years. I think people that have, I guess, had the privilege of experiencing that is it's almost a catch 22 because you, know, you want to win more, but that feeling goes away uh, quicker. Um, but yeah, that first year uh, that we won in, um, which actually in 2004, we won a 410 show at the uh, Knox Speedway. I mean, there wasn't a lot of big name guys there, you know, it was all Western PA guys, but still, you know, I was uh, 17 or 16 years old and it was a dash 12 motor and our first win. So uh, what's ironic is the check bounced for that <laughs> uh, win. <laughs> So I didn't even get a trophy. My sister actually got me a trophy. Jeez. But that was the first one. But the I guess the real first one that was very special was at Erie's because, you know, I got to go head-to-head -head with Hebing when uh, some would say he was in his prime. <laughs> so hopefully he's listening to this. <laughs> but uh, he... Um, he was winning a lot back then. Him and, uh, you know, good old Dan Deming and that Ford. And, um, you know, the he was tough to beat. And I had him breathing down my neck the entire time. And actually, it, after a while, I got used to it. And it was a lot of fun just racing with him. And just, you know, obviously I say it was fun because we, we did beat him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Spanky Hall there threw the four flags, checkered flags out. Yes. So it was really a storybook for me and uh you know i got to get up on the wing and do the dance there and got to experience all that and great pictures because we were running you know vrps where it, it lift the right front up and i was fred raymer in it down the straightaway <laughs> so uh it was it was really cool and uh yeah that one that one sticks with me obviously there's there's nothing like the first one and uh, ever since that, you still chase that feeling, and as you get them, they, they do become, I mean, there's good ones, you know, there's ones where I can remember in 20, uh, was it 2016, it's 2016 or 2017, I had a real tough duel with Mark Smith at Outlaw, mm -hmm. and I gotta say, that is the hardest I've ever had to drive to, to win that race. Uh, there's another one up at Cornwall that Jason Barney and I went head to head. He won the night before, um, and because I couldn't couldn't get to him in lap traffic, and then we go to Cornwall the, the night after, and and I he got held up in lap traffic, and I got by him. So um, that one sticks with me a lot. There's a bunch of them at Oshwigan, Ransomville. <laughs> you know, uh, we were just hanging out with Brad Nab, and at the end of the 2014, and it was one of them ransom bills where you had to get right up on the wall. And, uh, I mean, you know, I actually hit it a few times. And, <laughs> you know, we're at the end of the night and Brad's, you know, oh, where were you running? You know, and, oh, right up on the wall, Brad. He's like, man, that wall is scary. And it, it is. <laughs> it, it's very, a, Ransomville's a very technical track. It's a paper clip and, you know, uh, it's bit a lot of people. Um, but you know, that, it hasn't got me yet, I guess. So. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and then then in 2011, Jared, uh, you won your first ever series championship. And three years prior to that, though, it was, it was kind of the Brian Holland show where he was winning championship after championship. And I know you were right there. And 
Kind of describe, though, and take us through that 2011 season, though, where you were able to pick up your first ever series championship. Yeah, it, it was tough with uh, um, Ryan, you know, winning uh, all those championships. We were either usually second. Mm-hmm. Couldn't beat him. Uh, you know, we'd win a few here and there, but just couldn't get that championship. And we decided to uh, to get away from uh, Ran Travis Craft chassis for a long time uh, with Ron Travis there. And, uh, we switched to J and J's in 2011, and uh, ended up going out winning four races. Uh, just some different setups, some different ideas, and it it kind of worked. Um, and uh, you know, I don't even think Brian ran the full tour that year, but I, I don't know. We kind of stepped up our game a little bit, uh, so it would have been you know would have been nice to run head to head with them for the entire season. Um, but then, yeah, getting into more and more. Uh, really, our breakout year was, uh, I would say, 2014 when we won 10 races. We got into 410 racing. But a lot of people said that, you know, you start driving 410s, it changes you a little bit. Um, at least that's what, like, Emhoff told me and a bunch of other people just said that, uh, you know, Jared's driving different. I didn't feel like I was driving any different, but uh, I guess – when you have 200 more horsepower and you, you get used to all that wheel spin, you just, you don't worry about hooking up a 360 as much because you're kind of used to, you know, the 410 just ripping. Um, and you get used to the speeds a little bit more, I think. So it definitely um, helped, uh, I think, getting into the 410s and going down to Lernerville every week and running with those guys, running against the All-Stars, you know, getting the butt kicked with them and the outlaws, uh, it humbles you real quick. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it, I think it definitely strengthened us uh, for the most part. Yeah, and and Tony, though, I know you were with Jared through a lot of those wins, though, but probably a real cool thing, though, that both of you guys experienced was back in 2017 when Sammy Swindell came out and raced your guys' car um, with the All-Stars when it visited New York, and uh you were kind of the go-to guy, though, when Sammy was here. And, you know, we all know anybody that knows sprint car racing is Sammy's one of the greatest ever. Uh, kind of take us through that experience, though, of, uh, you know, kind of working with um, one of the greatest of all time. Well, to be honest, at first, I didn't know if I wanted to. Um, <laughs> he was he was Jared's favorite driver, which, you know, I, I got a lot of respect or had a lot of respect before, you know, just with his racing career. But for me... You know, he always just kind of seemed like he was a mean and miserable old guy. <laughs> um, and after you get to know him and work with him, it's it's not that he's mean and miserable. I mean, that's his livelihood. And, you know, he's there and it's it's his his livelihood. So um, he, he taught us a lot. I mean, just the simple things. And um, the one year we ended up having a rain out out at Orange County and we went we all went out to dinner and we're just talking and um, we ended up talking about drive lines and grease and you name it and everything. And the guy seen it all and done it all. And, you know, just his attention to detail and, you know, how he approaches stuff and, you know, not only just what he was able to teach us and, you know, show us that what we have and what we're doing is, is pretty close. And I mean, we didn't really have to change much from what he was you know, what he wanted in the car to what we were doing. 
and just some of the things he changed throughout the night or want to change throughout the night kind of got us thinking a little bit differently too. So anytime you can work with somebody who's done it for that long and who's smarter than you and, and, you know, been doing it a lot longer is, is always a helpful advantage that, that, you know, I'll take away. And, you know, after working with him, you know, he's a, a pretty cool guy, you know, he'd sit down and talk to you and BS about anything and everything, you know, outside of racing as well. So, um, cool experience getting to win an all-star show. Um, and really the success we had, uh, we've ran with them four times and haven't finished outside the top three, you know, in all the all-star shows. So just shows you the success we can have as, as a team and, you know, just us getting there and pushing each other and, you know, going through all the steps, you know, whether it's a newcomer coming from 305s to the 360s, you know, you can be a champion in a 305 and real successful. You step into a 360 and the competition in the Northeast is incredible. And then with us doing the 410 and even with Swindell, it just shows you even what the next level is with the 410. And like Jared said, that's that's one of the reasons we got better is just racing against better people. Right. And, you know, Jared, it was kind of interesting because you were in a different position that weekend where you were also a crew guy. You weren't the driver. And so I'm sure, though, the, the approach, though, and how you kind of saw things, I'm sure, though, you learned a lot that weekend as well. Yeah, I learned that uh, you get more nervous not driving than you do driving. Uh, I couldn't believe how nervous I got. Um, Even the first night when we were at Outlaw, you know, and and Sammy was leading that race and uh, we're starting on the front row. And I'm like, man, why am I why am I so nervous? I got one of the greatest running here and. You just want it so bad, you know, but it, yeah, I really enjoyed myself and we did it a couple of years. Unfortunately, weather got us uh, in 2018 there. So, uh, but that was like Tony said, we got a lot of one-on-one time with Sammy. We went bowling. So, um, yeah, it, it was great. And, um, I did enjoy myself a lot to, you know, not have to worry about sliding in the seat. <laughs> yeah. And, and Tony, you kind of talked about how competitive 360 sprint car racing is here in the Northeast, but not only are we, there's a bunch of competitive guys in our sport here in the region, but there's also a lot of good people, though, that we go and get to have fun with, you know, every single weekend throughout the summer, though, and kind of talk about how, how great it is, though, to when you go to a place anywhere, you know, whether it's Canada or, you know, the capital region, central New York, or down into Pennsylvania, though, we're, you're going with a bunch of great group of um you know guys and girls though that we're all just there to have fun yeah i think if you really want to get some views for this podcast we need to do like a weekend video shoot and <laughs> show people really what goes on oh, um, outside of the racing yeah um no in all seriousness you know the friendships we build in racing and and coming from the late model side and in western pa and you know, even hearing stories from the guys that have crossed over from the modifieds, you know, the camaraderie that we have in the sprint car and the level of respect, just because, you know, with the open wheels, a lot can happen and you, you can put yourself in a really dangerous position real fast. So, you know, hanging out and being friends with, you know, the Trenka crew and, you know, Hoover and, and the Cobra clan and Cook and Barneys, you know, we show up and, you know, this year was weird because 
we didn't really get to see them guys as often as we normally do. And it's like, well, what have, what have they been doing? Cause we haven't seen them and they, you know, we all keep up with each other and talk. And so it was good when we did get to, you know, do those few races at Canada day one can or a, a pen can, but, um, you know, just hanging out with the guys and everybody else around the track. And, you know, we might not have the best night, but, you know, you can come in and have a beer, share a beer with somebody and, you know, just enjoy life and forget about, you know, what really goes on. And I think especially from this year, you know, I think we'll all kind of enjoy it a little bit more next year or whenever we get to get back to, to doing what we all enjoy. Yeah. And, you know, Jared, though, you also talked about the competitive nature, though, of here in 360 sprint car racing. And there are a lot of competitive guys uh you mentioned jason barney and chuck keeping and you know we have a couple of younger guys now coming up through with cole giovanni and you know both trankas and but you don't really have to worry about you know at the end of the night though i guess ever getting in a interesting conflict of interest with them though because you know you guys all kind of just have fun though and even if they do pass you or you pass them though at the end of the night though it's really just it was really just a great night on the track yeah, yeah, there's uh, the guys we race with have a certain respect for one another, um, especially the guys that are fast, you know, that, uh, you know, when they're running good and they go by it, you, you do, you gain a little respect. And there are some newer guys that I've definitely started to gain some respect for, Jordan Thomas, Paulie, you know, they're, they're getting there. And, uh, or they are there, I should say. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're definitely tougher and tougher to beat. And, you know, I'm just, you know, Paul, I wish we could get them all together. You know, imagine having a race with uh, Chuck there and Davey Frannick and Paulie and having all these fast guys and, you know, going out and doing time trials. And I think it'd just it'd be great. It'd like be the, the 360 Outlaw Tour, you know, sure. um, the Northeast anyway. So, uh, I kind of wish that we could, you know, make that happen somehow um, because, you know, I think it'd make it a lot of fun. You know, you're racing with all those guys and we're not all spread out and trying to go here, trying to go there. But, uh, you know, that's what it is. Yeah, and you kind of you kind of bring up the next point, though. Of it, it is interesting, though, but it is always, though, when you get to win those big races, you know, and one big race, though, is the Canadian Sprint Car Nationals when we are all there and we're all kind of, you know, fighting for it. And um, just kind of take us through, through, you are the only driver, though, it's kind of, you've raced in every single one of the Canadian Sprint Car Nationals. And um, I know it's one of those races, though, that you obviously want to win, but just kind of take about, though, how basically that entire weekend, that whole entire weekend outlook, though, of, how competitive that race really is. Oh yeah. It's, it's one of the most competitive. Everybody throws everything they got. It's at the end of the year. Uh, you know, everybody's there to, you know, win it or wear it. Um, and it is tough. I think, you know, the format kind of makes it tough. Uh, just, you, you might get stuck in a heat with, uh, that's, that's loaded with a, all the fast guys and sometimes you get lucky and you uh you know you get some of the slower guys and you don't have to work as hard and um i think it was uh i've almost made everyone except for last year we really struggled last year 
uh, tracks gotten slicker over the years. Um, when we first were going there in 05, 06, 07, I think even 2008, it started to get a little slick, but, uh, at least for the heat races and stuff, there was something to get a hold of. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's very tough. Uh, it's very tough. It's, it's very tough, especially the guys that are getting a lot of weekly competitors up there and, uh, it's good equipment They run there every week. Uh, so they can really tune themselves in. Uh, so, uh, but it is a fun weekend. I will say it, it is fun. Um, you know, I wish the format worked a little bit different, but there's only so much you can do when you get that many cars. I mean, they're getting, mm-hmm. what, 80-some 80, 80 cars last year or something. So, you know, I, I suppose they could do something like the Knoxville Nationals format or something, if that's even possible. But you got to start taking luck out of the equation a little bit. To, you know, and I think I was lucky enough to make, you know, 95% of the A mains, but uh, you do have to get lucky and you, you got to run as hard as you can. Yeah, and Tony, though, kind of take us through though how you approach the Canadian Nationals. You know, there's some we- some years though where you guys do race that Friday preliminary night, and there's some some years that you don't. Um, kind of take us though through that approach though. Of, you know, choosing to race or not to race though, but I guess when you don't race though, it kind of gives you an opportunity really to kind of really scope out what everyone is doing and you know how this track is really kind of kind of pan out. Yeah, um, usually we just talk about, you know, going in, and if we draw well and can start up in front of one of the heat races, we'll generally race it. Um, <laughs> aside from that, the track Friday to Saturday is completely different. Friday night's the typical Oshwegan where you're running 14 to 15 second lap times in the feature. Um, the advantage is you lock in and get like a top 10 or 11 starting spot, something like that. Um, aside from that, whatever you do Friday night, from what we've learned, you might as well just throw it in the garbage because it's not going to work Saturday. Um, because usually in time trials, you're already over 15 second lap times or 14 and a half. So maybe you're starting with what you finished with on Friday night. And then from there, it's a crapshoot on, on what you can do. Um, one year we went up there and you know, I, I can remember it like it was last week and we were the last car out and we, I can remember the bar package and the shock package we had. And we went out last car and went second quick and Jared drove right through the middle and I was amazed and I'm like, we figured it out. You know, we got this and it was all downhill from there. And we tried that setup again and it was terrible. So um, it's one of those things where, like Jared said, the format where you're stuck, the it's at the end of the year. Um, with the Nationals, you know, typically we're running a dish wing with the Patriots. When you go to the Nationals, you got to run the flat wing um, with a wicker. So, I mean, that changes a little bit, but it's kind of like the 410. Um, really, I just think it comes down to you're running 17, 18 second lap times and you know, we've won 10 plus races at Oshwegan. And so it's, I know Jared knows how to get around there. And I think it just gets to the point where your car has to be perfect. There's 
30 guys that start that race that have won a race. So you're all on the, you all have the same chassis, mostly have the same shots, the same bars. So it just comes down to setup and comfort. And, you know, we've tried some stuff and been okay. And other times we try it and it's just terrible. So we're still searching for what works. Um, I wish I had what, uh, you know, maybe like uh, Steve Poirier or what uh, the Hoddock team had in last year. So maybe I can talk to Scotty or Matt and see if I can get that out of them. But, uh, you know, we keep working at it and hopefully, you know, maybe this coming year with, with the new chassis and stuff like that will, will be better. And, um, you know, I feel like we've gotten better in the slick, which will hopefully translate to the nationals. Um, Last year, we just, did a lot of dumb stuff, um, to be honest with you, where we just tried to outsmart ourselves and, you know, we just, we just needed to get back to our basics and knowing what we did. And, you know, I think the next day we both looked at each other and realized how dumb we were (laughs) on the nationals. And, you know, so then, uh, we went back to the Dutch Hogan, went right back to what we had been doing and, you know, back to the podium. So, it's one of those things where you put big money up and you've got 70 guys there and it's like, you just, you outsmart yourself. So, um, probably put in the notebook, don't be dumb and just do your normal stuff and it will probably work out better. So you guys, you know, kind of my final question, uh, you guys spend just about every weekend with you guys, with each other. Um, you know, guys are actually coworkers, not to mention though, you guys are in-laws, uh, do you guys ever get sick of each other? Every day. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, if, yeah, once in a while here and there, you know, when uh, it's not terrible. We we've had we've learned once you spend enough time, Paul, you'll you'll find this out. Spend enough time with somebody, you'll you actually learn how to fight. So. <laughs> You know, it's, uh, I think we know when to kind of stop and he knows what pushes my buttons and when to stop. And, you know, I know when to not say anything to him and let him be. So that's just it. You learn, you learn how to fight. So it's going to happen. But uh, for the most part, you know, 99% of the time, I think we've got similar thinking, similar interest and, you know, similar drive to, you know, to win. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it works out. All right. Well, Jared gave the nice answer. Tony, you can give me the honest answer. <laughs> All right. Um, if, if anybody in racing tells you that they don't fight and everything is good, they're lying to you <laughs> because, uh, there's times, even if we weren't working together and we weren't in laws with racing, whether you're spending time in the shop or on the road. You know, you're, you're going to get tired of one another. Um, some, ta- some days you can't do anything wrong, and some days you can't do anything right. In those days where when you can't do anything right, it just keeps pushing your buttons. And um, there's been times in the past where we push each other's buttons, and, you know, we, we might not talk, and that doesn't go <laughs> so well for racing. Um, and as we've gotten older, I think we've gotten a little smarter, and we realize that. So... I think I, I know I've calmed down and Jared's always been a fairly calm guy. So, um, 
I would say the last couple of years, you know, outside of one or two heated discussions, we've been pretty good. Yeah. Well, when you're winning, yeah, when you're winning, you know, you, you like each other, but when you're, you're, when you're getting beat, not doing well, you're like, what the hell is that, that SOB thinking, you know, you don't know what he's doing and you, you know, you just, it's one of them things, but. Well, you see, Paul, this is why you also need to start interviewing the, uh, the crew chiefs and the mechanics instead of just the drivers, <laughs> because when the drivers win, they get all the credit. Right. Yeah, they don't win. It always falls on the crew guys. Well, you know, I said this though. I'm going to, you know, trust me, believe me though. I try to interview the crew chiefs, but sometimes Victor Lane gets a little rushed. But you know, it is my goal though to interview more crew chiefs going forward in 2021. So. Really, Jared, the pressure is on you, though, so Tony can get more interviews in. You just have to win more races, though, for that to happen. Better get me Paul Silva. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> He'll say you got to get Kyle Larson. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so. Yeah. All right. Well, I uh, well, got... hope that's the case. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you both guys, though. It's uh, been great talking with you guys. Uh, hopefully, though, and uh, hopefully early spring, though, in 2021, though, we can all get to back to where we really enjoy and, you know, everyone is, you know, safe and healthy, though, and we can get back onto the racetrack, though, and, you know, do some more sprint car racing here in the Northeast. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right, well, uh, thanks, guys. Uh, Jared Zimbardi and Tony DeVonzo uh, joining us tonight here on uh, PST Weekly. Thanks for listening. Be sure to listen to all our podcasts and subscribe. They are currently available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For up-to-date Patriot Sprint Tour news, be sure to like Patriot Sprint Tour on Facebook and follow at Patriot Sprints on Twitter and Instagram.